0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian. I'm joined with Nick.
1: What's going on, guys? And Max. Hello, everybody.
0: All right, so this week's podcast, we're going to talk about hockey playoffs, basketball playoffs, a little baseball, and a little football. Uh, so I guess we'll just go right into it with hockey.
1: All right, so the second round of the playoffs um, concluded Saturday night. So I'm just going to go over each of the series that um, that were in the second round. So we're going to start off with the Lightning Bruins Lightning ended up winning that series four to one. I don't really think I was really surprised it ended really quickly. You know, I think it was more more of an even series than people think because I think the Bruins did actually get a good amount of shots in games four and five, but ultimately I, I never knew I knew they were never going to come back from three one. I the Lightning were just too good. But even though the Bruins are one of the more complete teams in the league themselves, it was going to be tough for them to catch up against another just as complete team. I would think in the Lightning. So yeah, there was really no surprise to that series, in my opinion. And then we're going to move to the Stars and Avalanche. The Stars ended up winning that 4-3. to The team I thought would win the Stanley Cup is now gone. And I wasn't really surprised that the Avs forced a Game 7, because even though they lost Game 5, they barely lost that game. And I thought they did it to themselves more than the Stars really outplayed them. And they lost that game only by one goal. That was a series that I thought, if any team was going to come back from the 3-1 deficit, it was going to be them. And they ended up coming back to force game seven. But ultimately the star it was the stars who won. You know, they fought hard. They deserved the win. And, you know, especially considering how injured the Avs were, they were down their two starting two of their the two their two best goaltenders, Jonas Donskoy, Eric Johnson, Matt Calvert, and someone else I can't remember their name. But yeah, they were down a few players that I think it was really just one of those series where the first the way the stars came out that series really made a difference you know they won games one and two pretty convincingly you know they were the the better team in those two games i think that ended up really setting the tone for the series so you know they earned it and now they're playing in the conference finals so then i'm gonna go to the other series in the west the golden knights versus the canucks the knights ended up winning that in fourth uh, in seven games they also ended up blowing their 3-1 lead but I thought the only reason that series went to seven games was because of Thatcher Demko. You know, he didn't start any. of the, He might have started one or two. Anyway, he wasn't the guy. He wasn't the main guy in net for them until Game Five, where he went in. He played an incredible game, and they. He, I think, he stole the game in a two-one win for the Canucks. In Game Six, you know the Canucks won that four nothing, but not really that convincingly because the Knights once again outshot them heavily, and Demko shut them out. It, I think it was mainly him. You know. Canucks are, are a good, fast team, but they really lacked the pressure that the Knights generated. In Game 7, pretty much the same story, except the Knights were able to win. You know, Demko did all he could, but the Knights clearly were the better team in this series, and they deserve to move on. So that's that. And then the next series, that the one that is more the most popular in this podcast or in in the sport <laughs> universe, I'd say, the Islanders and Flyers. With the Islanders taking it, 4-3, to three, I was pretty ecstatic about that one. And, you know, Flyers won games 5 and 6 in OT, but they blew a 3-1 lead really late in game 5, and they were heavily outshot in game 6. You know, I thought the whole time the Islanders were the better team. They played as more cohesive unit. They had nowhere near as many holes as the Flyers did, it looked like. And they earned that win. You know, I think one of the biggest surprises in the playoffs was the Flyers' lack of offensive pressure. You know, they had... They've guys in Sean Couturier, Travis Konechny, Jacob Orchak, Claude Roux and they really didn't average very many shots at all. You know, even in game five where in game six, I'd just say, when they got thirty shots on goal, that game went to five overtime. You have to remember that. So yeah, it was from an offensive standpoint, the Flyers really did not have a good playoff. And that was a shock for a team that was coming into the playoffs as many people thought was the hottest team. But no, they they ended up going in the second round. The Islanders deserved that win. Good for
2: them, and do you guys have any comments on those series? Uh, just for me, you know, like the Islanders going on to where they're going on to now, the conference finals. I, I don't think it's—I'm pretty sure not in my lifetime they've never made it. And you know, again, I've been a fan since I was little, so it's—it feels weird saying the Islanders are, are going that far. It just seems like we're in an alternate universe. <laughs> I do believe the—I think I said the last
1: time they made it that far was the '90s. I'm not so sure, but it's definitely before the mm-hmm. 2000s incredible yeah, so, so I'm gonna move on to the conference finals predictions so I should actually start before that I start with game one of the Golden Knights with stars because that happened last night and the stars won that game won nothing ultimately in that game what it was the um the start for the stars in that game they came out and you know gen- they were faster team they generated a lot of pressure which is really becoming their bread and butter it has been since the um start of the second round against the abs there the amount of pressure they generate is is crazy and it's amazing because they have one of—I wouldn't say one of the least talented teams. So they're clearly not, on paper, would not be as good of a team as the the Avs or the Golden Knights. But they won that game, and you know that throughout the rest of the game, second period on it was pretty back and forth. The Stars, I'd say, control play in the second period. The Knights really made a push to come back and tie the game in the third. But ultimately, that goal in the first five minutes by John Klingberg was the um, was the one that stood for the Stars. That was the only goal of the game at the very beginning so good job to the Stars you know that it was a close game though either way as far as my series prediction goes before yesterday I I was predicting the series and I actually it was taking me a while to figure out which way to go because it really could go either way but I I decided to pick the Golden Knights because you know when you think about as well as the Stars played against the Avalanche they they I said the Avalanche did it more to themselves in that game five or game four I should say more than the stars really did well in my opinion and it, the stars barely won a game in game seven where the avalanche were pretty injured we look at the knights you know they went to seven games as well but again they was it really the canucks coming back or was it thatcher demko i think it was thatcher demko really saving them i think the knights are a better team and even though they lost game one i do think i'm still gonna say they're gonna win this series i definitely think it's a six or seven game series i said six games but it, it, the series can go either way, but I'm saying it's going to be Golden Knights and Six. The next series, Islanders vs. Lightning, that series has not started. It starts tonight. This was going to be an incredible series. I definitely think it's a seven-game series. The Islanders, we talked about many times. They're one of the best team stories in recent memory, in my opinion. They don't have... They're not going to match up with the Lightning on paper. They're just not going to. They play like a team. They do everything you want them to do. They make such a great effort. And against... And the Lightning also a cool story themselves. they're a team that they're looking to avenge for their embarrassment last year. They've done just that so far. They're in the conference finals, but right now, you know, them making the conference finals doesn't prove anything to us. They've been here before, and they've choked. They've gotten, and even they've been to the conference, the Stanley Cup finals like five years ago, and they lost that too. So they've saw a the ton to prove. When I have to predict the series. I'd honestly be happy if any team wins, but I I'm gonna say that the Islanders' Cinderella run comes to an end this series. I think the Lightning are gonna win. I just think they're too good for the Islanders to handle, and they they're on a mission too. So again, it's gonna be a hard-fought series. I think the Lightning win it in seven games in overtime.
2: I feel like Max being a little generous there. I like I, I you know I love the Islanders going this far, but uh, looking at the lineups, I definitely think. the that uh lightning definitely have obviously have a better team, and it's going to be tough for the Islanders to move on. It's kind of like me being a Rockets fan against the Lakers right now. I want them to win so badly, but the odds are just stacked against them. And if they lose, like either you know, talking about the Islanders here, I don't think any Islanders fan can be too upset. You know what the amount no, of it you, how much talent we have and how far we've gone. You absolutely can at all, and
1: I. I would say that no matter what happens to the Islanders, this is, I say, one of the best team stories we've seen in a long time in sports. I really believe that.
0: <laughs> yes, I mean, uh, I'm not an Islanders fan. Obviously, I'm a Rangers fan. But I think the Islanders have had such a recent stretch of, like, really no success. Obviously, they had a few seasons a couple years ago. But um, to see them go as far as they are going, I can't be mad at that it's like it's nice to see basically is what i'm trying to say right yeah
1: one thing i want to point out also for those of you hockey fans out there and you probably know this but fun fact since leaving the islanders john Tavares has zero playoff series wins guess how many of the islanders have four hmm. there, exactly. there you go
0: <laughs> okay so yeah yeah there you go so we're gonna go into basketball now which is also experiencing playoffs if you've lived under a rock and you didn't know that so, um we are in the second round of playoffs. Right now, it's there's 8 teams left. Um, let's just start off in the Eastern Conference, Bucks versus Heat. This has been a crazy series. The Heat got up 3-0 and now it's 3-1. Um, the Heat I feel have just been playing more inspired basketball. They've been doubted basically the whole playoffs really in my opinion. And especially this series, the Bucks obviously were the best team in the Eastern Conference, and the heat just weren't and no one really gave the heat a chance and Jimmy Butler specifically has had a great series um has played the best basketball in my opinion this whole that he's played this whole year and is just really taking the heat on his back and showing that he's act he's a superstar and is not some player that had a good few seasons, but is an actually really good player and can impact a team as much as he's impacting the Heat right now. Um, on the other side, for the Bucks, Giannis is injured right now. He tried to come back in for Game 4, but re-injured himself, and right now, they don't know if he's going to be available for Game 5. I have a feeling he's going to end up being able to. It's kind of like a day-to-day situation right now, um, but I hope that Giannis can play because then it's just what the series is meant to be. Um, the only reason the Bucks ended up winning Game 4 was Chris Middleton had a great game, specifically in the third quarter. I think he scored like 21 points or something like that. Um, and his clutch shooting at the end gave them the win Game 4. So it's been a really fun series to watch. And in my opinion, I think the Heat are going to win it out. I don't... Game-wise, if... Giannis plays in Game 5. I think I give them Game 5. Uh, but the Heat are just playing such inspired basketball right now. And the Bucks just aren't. Maybe that changes because they're down. But who's to say? Um, so I'm going to say Heat in 6. I do still give the Bucks a chance, though. I mean, they are the Bucks, And they do have Giannis and Enokumo. So you can't ever count them out. Uh, next up is the Celtics versus Raptors. Probably uh, one of the more tight series of the playoffs thus far. Um, The series is tied 2-2 The Celtics got the first two games And then the Raptors have gotten the next two I mean the Celtics, they continue to play really well Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker Have Played so well Uh, Kemba Walker continues to show that he's A type of point guard That Kyrie Irving just wasn't for the Celtics He knows how to Play with everyone on the court He's not really selfish all the time And as me and Nick have talked about in the past Kyrie Irving has become quite a, a little bit of a diva in the NBA, and Kemba Walk is just not that. And I think that's why the Celtics are playing so well together. Um, for the Raptors, uh, Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry continue to play well for them. It's nice to see Kyle Lowry actually playing well in the playoffs, as he has struggled in the past. Um, and right now it's tied 2-2. I think I'm going to give the Celtics the win in this one. I've never been the biggest believer in the Raptors. Yes, they had a really good season, but I feel like the Celtics have a lot more stars and have played just really well together throughout the playoffs. Not to say the Raptors haven't, but I just think the Celtics are going to take this. I think in I think in game it's going to go to Game Seven. I think the Celtics end up winning though. Um, and now Nick is going to do the Western Conference playoffs.
2: Uh, absolutely. And before we go on to that, just a couple comments about the East: uh, Bucks versus the Heat. You know, I think this is the first playoff series. That, it is the first playoff series that I've been wrong about. And I don't think anyone really could have saw this coming. It's kind of out of left field. You know, everyone thought that the Heat was a good team. You know, they have between Jimmy Butler, Babbitt, Bio, Uh Tyler Hero has been pretty good for them. Kendrick Nunn. You know, they have good players in the roster. Uh, Duncan, you know, good players in the roster, but nothing really over the top. Um, no one expected them to do this well against the Bucks. Um Jimmy Butler has been in his bag the entire uh, series has really put his team on his back, and he would have elevated themselves above the Bucks. Um, and with Giannis injuring his ankle, I really don't see the the Bucks winning out another one here. Um, I really don't have faith in Chris Middleton being able to get this done by himself. Very true. Um, and not to say he's he's a bad player, but I don't think he has the the capabilities to win. You know, to win out. He's three not games like a, a go to player. Yeah, th- three games in a row. Strict, you know, especially if they're going to match up. If the Heat decide to have have emphasis now on Jimmy Butler matching up Chris Middleton, that you know Jimmy Butler's a great defender, that, that should pretty much cancel out any abilities that Chris Middleton can have. Um, and it's going to be extremely tough for the Bucks to make that that three game series, uh, three game three wins in a row series, You know, I-, I don't really see them even winning another game. I think the Heat are going to win in five here, which is incredible. Um. You know, this is sparking rumors about Giannis leaving the Bucks. Right. I have no clue. I doubt it, but it is interesting the fact you know he's been good for a couple of years now, and the Bucks have really not been able to put anything together. Uh, you know, with Giannis being you know presumably going to win the MVP again this year. He's going to have back to back MVPs and have no rings to show for it. Right. So, um, pretty incredible series right there. Really out of left field. And then with the Celtics and the Raptors. You know, it's been, again, as I said, I think this is the most interesting series in, uh, you know, in the second round here. Um, You know, between the Celtics and Raptors, both team-oriented basketball. uh, Both have a lot of talent on both teams. Both have good coaching. Uh, I think it's a really even matchup. And it's really interesting to see, you know, the the Celtics took the first two games, but the Raptors uh, battled back to take the last two. Um, As I said at the beginning, before this series even started, I expected Celtics, or I think it might have been one game in, I expected Celtics and seven and I still expect that uh, yeah, but you know really good series so far it's really neck and neck uh, we'll have to see how that turns out so going into the Western Conference I'll start out with the Clippers versus Nuggets uh, so obviously the Clippers uh, the, rather the Nuggets took the first game the Clippers took the second game uh, Jamal Murray has continued to put on for his team um, Nick Lee Okic turned out pretty well he is a game time decision for tonight's game for game three we'll see what Nick Lee Okic turns out or not um, going on from there, you know, Paul George showed up in the first game, and Kawhi Leonard didn't really show up in the second. Uh, in the first game, uh, Kawhi had 13, 10 and eight, which is solid. But you know, it's it's Kawhi talking top five player in the NBA in the, in the playoffs in in the semifinals. Kawhi Leonard 13, 10 and eight, as good. But for Kawhi Leonard, he he needs to elevate himself. I think Paul George with twenty two, eight, and three. You know, it's for whatever reason the Clippers just haven't seemed to mesh since I would say getting into the bubble. Uh, you know, they had a decent regular season run, but in the playoffs they've been pretty messy. Uh, so we'll have to see, you know, Paul. It can, essentially, it comes down to uh, can Paul George and Kawhi Leonard both be hot, or I would say in, in their groove in, in the same night? That's really what it's going to come down to, I think, down the stretch of the series. And I think they will. I think they'll overcome Nuggets. Um, But it's just interesting to see. I think, you know, the Clippers' talent on that roster has really carried them through through the playoffs so far. But I don't think they're meshing well in, in terms of chemistry. And Doc Rivers, I think, needs to step in and really take grip of this team because when you look at this objectively, like the Clippers, the Clippers and the Lakers are, are the two teams right now that should be able to nearly sweep every team that they, they play until they play each other. And obviously the Clippers struggled last round with the Mavs. And now that it seems like they're struggling a little bit against the Nuggets too. Um We'll have to see how they play tonight. I do expect Clippers to win this one. Um, I do expect Clippers in either six or seven. I'm probably going to go Clippers in six. It uh, should be interesting to see if Kawhi and, and Paul George can really put it together in the same night. I think when you have both of them playing at the top of their ability, that is a scary team with all the talent and uh, defensive ability they had. On the other side, the Nuggets are, I think, a really interesting playoff team, too, because they've been good for a couple of years now, and it seems like they're finally meshing in the playoffs, which is great to see. Um, you know, they had a tough series against the Jazz, but uh Jamal Murray has really elevated himself to superstar status right now. Um, really putting the team on his back. Pretty exciting to see. Um and then Nikola Jokic, obviously, you know, he, he's playing his game, uh, but he is questionable for tonight, so um so you know, I think there's a lot of promise there. You know, N- Nuggets are still young. Uh even if they don't make it out of this series, they have a lot of basketball to play down uh within the next couple of years. So, moving up from that series, we have the Rockets and Lakers. Uh, you know, pretty tough series for the Rockets. Uh, the Rockets pretty much dominated in game one, and now in game two, they lost 117 to 109. Um, on the Rockets side, it's Russell Westbrook just has seen loss since he returned from, I believe, his hamstring injury. He just doesn't seem to groove. He, he misses too many shots. He, he doesn't seem to make the right passes, too many turnovers. And James Harden, you know teams have been for a while now defensively setting up to stop him so it makes it really tough on James Harden to get it going um but I I, you know I I still think the Rockets have a chance I mean they they dominated in game one and they can dominate in game three four and five but you know that's just me as a Rockets fan I guess the Lakers this Lakers team again from the beginning of the NBA season they were my favorite to win the the championship and I have to still, still say that they are LeBron James Anthony Davis how tall that lineup is um, they, have a, they have a lot of talent, a lot of veteran talent, a lot of IQ there. I just think that down the stretch of the playoffs, like this is the best team in basketball, um, as via their record. I think down the, down the playoffs, they will, uh, you know, down the stretch of the playoffs, they will be too. Um, so I, you know, I do expect the Lakers to win this one in probably seven games. Even though I'm a Rockets fan, it's really tough for me to admit that. It's kind of like the Islanders; I want them to win so badly, but I just I don't see a way the Rockets can make it out. Unless James Harden and Russell, it's kind of like the Clippers were. If James Harden and Russell Westbrook can get hot at the same time and, and both play their best games, there's, there's, I don't think the Lakers could stop them. Huh. But if, if they're going one and one or they're both not showing up, it's so tough for the Rockets to win, especially with the small ball they're playing. You know, P.J. Tucker has played lights out for the Rockets down the stretch um, of the playoffs in pretty much the whole year. Um, his corner three and his ability to guard big, bigger, bigger players has been really clutch for them. Um, you know, I don't think Anthony Davis has had great of a series against against the Rockets throughout the entire year. Um, but, you know, obviously with Game 2, he put up 34. LeBron put up 28. So, that's tough. Um, you know, Russell Westbrook had 10, 13, and 4 in the second, Game 2. That's not enough from Russell. Um, he, he, I think he said in his post-game interview that uh, that he's kind of just running around right now. He needs to game plan better, and I, I totally agree with him. The Rockets need to come out. With a better game plan if they're going to beat this Lakers team because um, th- obviously the Lakers have a game plan but just LeBron's organic ability to facilitate the ball and spur offense and create defensive stops. All you see on the House of Highlights is chase down blocks from LeBron on, on Russell Westbrook this series and it stinks to see that as a Rockets fan but uh, you know, a pretty interesting series. I, did, I didn't expect the Rockets to, to sweep them so hard in the first game so we'll have to see how it goes down the stretch but I think Lakers to seven. Uh, Brian, any comments?
0: I was going to say with the Rockets, like the Rockets have the ability, if they're playing on all cylinders, to crush any team. Um, I mean, to a larger extent, if any team's playing on all cylinders, they can crush a team, but the Rockets can get on fire so quickly, and the scoring ability and just the abilities of James Harden and Russell Westbrook, if they're playing well combined, they'd definitely be able to take down the Lakers, and... But that, then it comes to the point, when are they going to play on all cylinders? Because, obviously, Westbrook hasn't played that well. Um, and they're figuring out how to guard James Harden. So, in my opinion, I do think the Lakers are going to win this series. And on the other side, I also think the Clippers are going to win. I think they're going to be harder series than anyone's really thought that the Clippers and Lakers would be in. Um, and I think it's going to come down to Game 7 or Game 6 for both of these series.
2: I think with the Rockets, like, not even Russell Westbrook and James Harden, but, you know, this to be coming out of the Rockets fan. I think the Rockets have a ton of bench players that could really shoot the three well, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, between Jeff Green, Ben McElmore, Eric Gordon, Austin Rivers, like, Austin Rivers put up 40 this this uh, year. Uh, ben McElmore, you know, has shot, I believe, he, in one of the games, he shot, like, 7-for-7 seven seven from the three-point line. So, like, if those players get hot, too, and, and if, if all the Rockets players, which this team's built to shoot threes, right. if they can consistently hit threes and this has been the case since they've gone small ball, there's not a single team in the NBA that can outscore them. So yeah. if it really comes down, are they going to hit their shots?
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, I know it's not the same, but the, the Knicks, when they face the Rockets, there's been so many times where the Rockets just don't miss, and it's so hard to watch, but if the Rockets can figure out how to just not miss and just continue to shoot threes lights out, I mean, that's what their team's meant to be, so... That's what they got to try and figure out how to do. Max, any opinions on basketball?
1: Uh, nope, I'm good.
0: All right. Uh, we're going to go into baseball right now. I want to talk about the playoff situation. I think there's, depending on the team, 18 to 20 games left. So, definitely coming down to the wire. I guess we'll start in the American League. Um, AL East definitely has become a very interesting division. Uh Right now, what it is, the Rays and the Blue Jays would be making the playoffs in division, and how about, okay, I'm just going to go in each division and then talk about them. So for the AL East, the Orioles have played much better than anyone has expected. Um, right now, as they stand, which I'm sure Nick might have some opinions on, but we'll wait till the rundown, they're only two games behind the Yankees, which is definitely surprising. Um, and top two in the division are the Rays and the Blue Jays, The Rays have played so well this season. I don't think anyone – I think people knew that the Rays had talent and were going to be good this season, but where they are right now at 28 and 13, they're second best in baseball, which I don't think anyone would have guessed. For the Blue Jays, um, I expected that this season they definitely figured it out. Their young players will figure out how to play together much better, and right now the Rays and the Blue Jays are the two teams that are going to come out of the AL East. So, next up is the AL Central. Um, for the Central, the White Sox and the Indians are the two teams that seem to be coming out of the AL East. I mean, the AL Central. The Twins are right there as well, 25 and 17. They stand one game behind the White Sox for first in the division. So, that division, similar to the AL East, is a three team division as well. Um, and in my opinion, The White Sox have definitely been surprising this season. They did sign a lot of talent and have a lot of young talent coming up, and they've definitely played very well. Um, AL West, right now it's the Athletics and the Astros. Um, The the Astros turned it around after a pretty rocky start in the beginning. The Astros have lost four in a row at this point, but there was a point where they had won like eight in a row or something like that. Um, So yeah, Athletics and Astros coming out of the AL West. In terms of the wild card... It seems at this point it's the Yankees and the twins um yeah, I mean, I feel like the Yankees are gonna turn it around soon um and once their talent comes back, but we'll wait till the rundown to talk about that, and at least I mean national League, and at least I'll start with, so right now it's the Braves and the Phillies, um then you have the Mons and the Mets. Uh, the Mets are currently winning right now over the Phillies, so that could change, but currently it's the Braves and the Phillies for the two spots that are going to come into the playoffs. Uh, this this division has been interesting. The Marlins have figured out how to play with basically no talent and actually have a solid team, um, which has been surprising, and right now that's where it stands. I do see a lot of changes happening in this division um, because it is pretty close between the two three and four teams al central i mean nl central the cubs and the cardinals are the two team uh, two teams atop the central i don't the brewers are two and a half games behind the cardinals they definitely have a chance i just don't know the cubs have played really well um yeah i mean those are the two teams coming out of that division and then the nl west has which has been probably the best division in baseball at this point um two of the most fun teams to watch in the Dodgers and the Padres are atop the division. The I mean, as good as the Padres have played this season and how much the media has been talking about them, the Dodgers are five games ahead of them, which is crazy to think about. I haven't even heard much about the Dodgers, but they've just been um, dominating every team, basically. Um, And it seems like for the the NLS, it'll be Dodgers and Padres. In terms of the wild card, the wild card is definitely interesting for – the NL, the Marlins are in it, the Mets are in it. The two teams right now that are the wildcard teams are going to be the, seems like the Rockies and the Giants. Uh, the Brewers are still in it. The Reds are still in it. The Marlins are still in it. The Mets are still in it. How this playoffs are working out for the baseball, there's so many teams that are still in it, which I think is what a lot of baseball fans wanted. And we're excited to have this season that, There's going to be a lot of chance for teams that might be out of it to stay in it for as long as they can. And that's what we're seeing right now. There's still a lot of chances for teams to uh, make it to the playoffs and go all in for the season. Um, That's where it stands right now. Obviously, games are still happening, so it could all change, but that's what it is right now. So I'll go into the Mets rundown. The Mets have had an interesting week. Um, Very... didn't play well. The series before the Phillies. Right now, um, it's the Mets are up two one in the four game series against the Phillies. The Mets are currently up in game four, seven to six, and this is a huge, uh, huge series for the Mets. If they can end up winning three out of the four games for the against the Phillies, that would be huge. I think they'd be then two games behind the Phillies for the number two spot in the division, which not to use the same word, huge. Um, the way that they started um, this season and even this series has not been good, uh, but it seems like certain players are starting to figure it out, which is really important to see. Pete Alonso has had had two home runs last night and has, I think, hit four out of the past five games home runs in each of them, um, which is really nice to see. Um, his power, I guess, is still there, but he hasn't had that clutch hitting, and we're hoping to see that he can turn that around because – that was an important part of their team last year uh Jeff McNeil seems to start to figure seems to be figuring it out. He played well to start the season, then he went into a bad stretch and now it seems like he's playing well. He just hit a really clutch home run for the Mets um but I won't talk about today and Jeff McNeil finally first hit his first home run yesterday, which I'm surprised it was his first home run, but then again, I don't see Jeff McNeil as a power bat for the Mets. he's more of a person that gets singles, gets doubles, gets triples, and that's what Jeff McNeil, I think, is going to be for the Mets. And the two really, three really bright spots, Dom Smith, Michael Conforto, and uh, Jacob DeGrom. Jacob DeGrom pitched outstanding yesterday. He dropped his ERA to 1.69. He's basically second behind Yu Darvish for the Cy Young in, national, in the National League. Um, so that's very interesting. If he can three-peat, that'd be amazing. Um, obviously Mets fans are rooting for that, but he's pitched lights out really maybe one or two games. He gave up three runs, but I mean, that's an average day in the ballpark for any other pitcher. Um, Michael Conforto, I think is third in the league in batting and has had three hits today. Um, Michael Conforto has... He's always been a guy for the Mets that is expected to become a superstar, and he's always been really close, and this year he's played out of his mind. I think he's batting three forty three or something like that, Um, and he's just been playing really well. Definitely the MVP for the Mets thus far. And Dom Smith, who no one really expected to come on as much as he's done this season, Continues to hit doubles after doubles after doubles and has been a big part for the Mets. He's basically taken over the first base spot over Pete Alonso, but Pete is still playing every day. He's basically has the DH role at this point. Um, for those that don't know, Dom Smith's a much better defender than Pete Alonso, so it basically just makes sense. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about, Steve Cohen's situation. I've kind of been silent about Steve Cohen for a while now for a couple of reasons. First off, it's kind of confusing all the contract negotiations how it's all going to work out and none of those details have really been fleshed out definitively to the public so I'm not going to really comment on those but it seems like Steve Cohen's going to be taking over the Mets ownership come next year um, if all if everything works out and if the Mets can have Steve Cohen he'd be the richest owner in baseball the Mets could be much different come come next year after the offseason and for years to come Steve Cohen is a grew up a Mets fan and wants to make the Mets a team that is a big market team, a team that they're supposed to have been for all these years, but have obviously had the Wilpons as owners. So haven't been able to do that. That's very exciting. That's all I really know about the Steve Cohen situation. And I guess I'll leave it at that. Nick, you want to talk about some Yankees?
2: Uh, Sure. The Yankees are quite sad, quite sad, as Brian alluded to earlier. Uh, It is tough being a Yankees fan right now. This is unlike the Yankees. But at the same time, I think, as I've been saying in the past, I think the injuries have played them really badly, and that's, that's a huge factor right now. Um, it, with them having so, – I think we just got Lairon Torres back, I think yesterday or two days ago, um, which was a big get back. But we're still missing a lot of our guys. You know, A, obviously the heading's not there, right? Um, and, the, and the field – you know, the, the play in the field is, isn't as great either. But I think you know, even beyond the injuries, you know, we're sitting at twenty-one and nineteen right now. We're third in the Eastern Division, uh, four and six in the last ten. We're on a 3 and losing streak. We've been on losing streak for quite some time now. And again, we started off the season eight and two. We were really hot, and it's kind of just falling apart from there. They had like a little valley, and then they picked up again, a little valley, and then when they hit, when all the injuries hit, they kind of skyrocketed downwards. Um, but I think even beyond uh, you know injuries plaguing us. I think the pitching has been pretty atrocious too. Um, just to pick on one guy, which I think is fair to say, with how much money we paid him, we're looking <laughs> at Garrett Cole here, uh, he's got a three six three ERA. Um, after you know last year having a two five and being a Cy Young, um, you know MVP possibly. Uh, you know it's just it, it's so tough to to um, you know you finished tenth in MVP voting. Um, it's just tough. You know, you know, even though even though he probably he should have won, uh, in my opinion, uh, Cy Young last year, but it's uh, sh- just really tough to see Garrett Cole struggle this badly, especially after how much we paid him. Uh, you know, he's making thirty six million dollars a year, and he's supposed to be our ace and three sixty ERA. It's, just, it's not good enough. Right. And then when you don't have the hitting to combine it, you start to lose games. So it's just it's, it's been really rough with the Yankees fan. I don't, you know, honestly, I don't think there's much more to say than that. And, you know, obviously everyone knows how talented the Yankees could be. Uh, Aaron Boone's not, not a terrible manager. He, everyone knows how, the Yankee, how good the Yankees can be. I think just with the injuries they have right now, they're in a really tough spot.
0: Yeah, Garrett Cole has definitely been an interesting situation. I mean, he started off the season strong and I feel like has kind of taken a step back. I think that goes along with the Yankees' struggles. Um, when a team's not playing well, It kind of just continues on with the rest of the team and becomes a general issue. And you could say that's been what Garrett Cole has been going through. I don't think that's a valid excuse for someone that's making that much money and is supposed to be as good as everyone says he's supposed to be. Um, So it's definitely a bad situation. You can't really, even though I'd love to, you can't really blame Yankees' ownership for Garrett Cole's struggles, obviously. Um, But he's definitely been a disappointment and... Has not played up to the contract at all. Um, that's really it for baseball. I guess we'll go into football now.
2: Uh, absolutely. So starting off with football, I just want to say this. Um, I started, I did start to put together a power rankings list, and I, I, explained it to Ryan and Max earlier. Um, I decided not to go through with it. I think you know, I think there's general, generally, you know, the teams I had like towards the bottom, which were like the Jets, the Giants. Um, the Washington, the Washington team in Washington, I guess not the Washington Redskins anymore. Um, the, te- the football team in Washington, you know, those those are teams towards, towards the bottom, and I had obviously the Chiefs and the Ravens towards the top. But I think to really power rank these teams is really difficult, and I don't think I can really put a number on a team right now. Um, a, you know, there's been a lot of changes this off season, um, a lot of coaching changes, a lot of quarterback changes. Uh, the draft is really interesting, right? And the Bengals get people like Joe Burrow, you know, tip that, you know, that's, that's, I think there's a little bit more changes than usual in terms of a typical NFL all season, but at the same time, um, I, you know, those are, those are usual changes. Right. But I think with COVID it, it's really hard to put a pinpoint on where teams are at right now. You know, I think of, I think of a team like the Patriots, right. Which I was playing to Max earlier. Um, you know, Maybe not stars have signed out, but like Hightower is one of the players that signed out. But Marcus Cannon uh, uh, opted out of the season as well for the Patriots. So we look at how abysmal that Patriots offensive line was. You know, Marcus Cannon was one of the, the pieces holding that line together. With him opting out, with with them getting a new quarterback at Cam Newton, with Sonny Michelle coming back from ACL, it's like. But you still have Bill Belichick. It's like, how do you put? How do you judge where the Patriots are right now? It, it's so difficult, and I think that that's the case for a lot of teams right now. Is, you know even if not, the huge name players aren't opting out, some of the smaller players pl- play keep you know crucial roles to their defense because you know a, a team wants to run a nickel package on defense, um, which is obviously well, not obviously, but if you guys don't know, it's like you sub out a secondary person, usually like a safety, in exchange for a linebacker. Um, you know somebody if somebody maybe not as popular opts out of that role what was the crucial part for them running whatever defense they were running out of in that nickel package, then that ruins a whole formation for them or it has causes them to change the whole formation. And that's what, what the opt-outs that we have right now, when you look you know, down the line, who's to say that when, you know, I think eventually a COVID outbreak will hit the NFL. It's, it's kind of inevitable unless the vaccine comes out for them. Um, it's just really tough to say, you know, where, where it will hit versus where it won't. Um, and then, you know, how will that affect each team? So, it, it's very difficult to place teams in certain spots. But um, if you guys have any, like, ideas where you powering teams right now, obviously, I'd probably put, like, to pay, if I had to put Patriots somewhere, I'd probably be middle of the pack, obviously. Um, and, it, again, I'm picking on the Patriots because I just think that they're, like, a case an example for, for COVID because they did have so many players opt out and they had so many changes in the offseason. Um. But it's really tough to put teams where and where they belong, in my opinion, right now. With that being said, I will go over the releases, the cuts, the signings for this week. Uh, actually, there was a ton, ton of signings, releases, etc. this week. Um, should be really interesting to go through all of them. Um, so I think the first thing that happened this week was uh, the Jaguars released Liner Fournette, um, who later signed with the Buccaneers. Um, obviously, Leonard Fournette had been rumored to be wanting out of Jacksonville for a while now, and I think uh, Tampa Bay is a good place for, for him to land. Right? Um, they were in need of a, I'd say, a top tier running back. Uh, you know, Leonard Fournette's kind of sometimes he could be top tier, sometimes he won't. Um, you know, injuries have, have plagued him for a little bit too. So, um, I think I think Tampa Bay is a good fit for him, though. I think uh, you know, behind Tom Brady in this new offense, it'll give that Buccaneers offense another weapon. You know, for a, for a player that's struggling right now, I think for them to enter into a good system, I think that's really good for them. Similar to like maybe like a Cam Newton to the Patriots, um, so I think that's a good signing for the Buccaneers, um, and I don't think the Jaguars you know, exactly wanted to release Swarnet, but it just wasn't in the cards for them. Um, you know, he, he did come off he, again. When we look at his perspective for his career so far, he came off, he just came off a thousand yard season. Uh, he had a thousand one hundred fifty yards, three touchdowns an average 4.3 uh, yards per carry. Um, he also had 522 receiving yards, so uh, he put up some pretty good numbers there, and he should be a good running back for the Buccaneers. Um, I think they still have, like, Ronald Darby, and I forget who else is behind him, but, uh, you know, pretty good running back. You really. mean Ronald Jones? Yeah, Ronald Jones, my bad. Ronald Darby is the corner, isn't he? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Thank you for correcting me. Uh, Ronald Jones, uh, was a pretty solid running back, I think, for the Buccaneers, too, but um, hasn't been anything spectacular you know, and I think consistency's been Ronald Jones's issue. So, I think Leonard Fournette is adds to that a uh, pretty solid running back uh, room, as well as adds to a nice piece on their offense. Um, oh.
1: You can go ahead and cut in, Max. <laughs> yeah, one thing I was gonna say: the Jaguars were talking like when I found out Monday that they'd released him, I was pretty shocked. And like they, Doug Murray said something like, "We tried to shop him; we couldn't get a fifth round or sixth round or anything." How do you feel? I don't know that I believe that. I feel like they wanted more of him. But they couldn't get it. Yeah,
2: I, I definitely think, like, if you look at Philander Fernand's value, um, he's kind of entering into his prime. You know, he's not that old. He's been in the league for three years now. Three, four years. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, three
1: years. Three years. Three years. So, I,
2: I, I definitely think he's worth, like, a third rounder, second rounder, maybe. I think, like, a third or fourth. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean... A different position, at, at his at his spot. Like I don't know, like I can't say a quarterback. A quarterback still often get traded. I'm trying to think of a position that gets traded. Maybe like a corner, like a corner with his stature would might might draw a second rounder, maybe a wide receiver. Um, but a running backs are pretty expendable in the NFL, so you know, third or fourth rounder probably would have been appropriate for him. But the fact yeah. that they couldn't get anything, I doubt. Yeah, I don't believe it. I 100 percent agree with you. Um, moving on from there. Uh, the Giants signed Logan Ryan, who's been on the free agent market for a little bit now. It's uh, time to a one-year, seven-point-five million dollar contract. Uh, he had a solid season with the Titans, and um, you know, with the Titans rearranging their roster, uh, resigning Titan Hill, uh, Logan Ryan was one of those pieces that kind of had to be let go. Um, I thought he was pretty solid for the Titans, so I'm pretty happy that you know when he when he was on the open market and the Giants have been looking for you know, the Giants actually about uh, 30 minutes ago, had just released uh, DeAndre Baker, which was expected with his criminal case going on. Um, on top of that, I think the the Giants needed to bolster the secondary. So I think Logan Ryan's a really good fit for the Giants. I'm really happy they signed him. Uh, 29, you know, one-year contract. I think it's a really solid deal for both Logan Ryan and the Giants here. Um, how do you feel as a Titans fan? That, that uh, 100% Nomex? worth that contract, 100%. Mm-hmm. He's a good that- player for us. Exactly. I think I think he still got a little bit of gas in the tank, so um, pretty good there. Uh, moving on from there, the next piece of news we had was Derwin James. He's out for the season. Um, he's going to miss six to eight months with a knee surgery. Um, this is his second uh, second consecutive season that he's been out. Um, pretty concerning for you know Derwin James as well as the Chargers because he was fantastic in his rookie year. Right, he prompted to be one of the best safeties in the league uh, coming out of his his his, uh, his first year. Now he's been injured back-to-back years. Pretty concerning. Is he going to stay healthy? Is he going to be able to be as good as he was in his rookie season? We don't know. Um, you know, he was pretty exciting to watch in his rookie season, so I hope he does get back to that. But you know, two consecutive years missing football—it's a pretty big deal. He's he's behind the curve on in terms of learning, I'd assume. You know, but not as much as I think physically because all the rehab he's going to have to do with this knee surgery, as well as last year, so. Uh, pretty big loss for the Chargers, and pretty big, I'd say, stunt on the growth of Darwin James' career. Max, any comments? And no, that, I mean, I can't really think of anything else. That's a huge loss for
1: one of the players who's the best at his position in the league. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so, moving on from there, we had the Bengals. Uh, they re-signed Joe Mixon to a four-year, forty-eight million-dollar contract extension. Uh, Joe Mixon, I feel like is one of those subpar running backs in the league, but. Uh, I don't think you're going to get a better running back than Joe Mixon on the open market. Um, last year, he had a, a 1,100, a little bit over 1,100 uh, rushing yards, uh, five touchdowns. Um, you know, he, so he, he had a, again 1,100 yards in 2018 with eight touchdowns. So uh, he, he fell off a little bit last season, but again, I don't think you're finding a better running back than him on the open market. So I think that he is a pretty good sign, uh, resign for the Bengals moving forward. Uh, it should offer J- Joe Burrow a little bit of stability moving forward. Um, you know, speaking of the Bengals, I do like the offensive core they're starting to put together. I think again, holding on to Joe is important. I think a uh, big key for that offense is going to be uh, T. Higgins. Is he going to be able to translate well into the NFL? I think you, I think that quarterbacks with uh, young wide receivers or running backs is really big because I feel like they're a lot more comfortable throwing to a rookie wide receiver than a veteran because they feel like as if the veteran has certain expectations for them where I feel like, you know, if like I think a good example is Daniel Jones and Darius Slay last season with the Giants. Um, I just feel like the, the quarterbacks are a lot comfortable with when they come in with rookies. Um, Cause they both, you know, they're both trying to figure out the NFL together. So uh, it should be interesting. I think that uh, Joe Mixon will, will allow the Bengals to continue to grow. So I think it's a pretty decent signing for them. Um, four years, forty-eight million million. I feel like that is a little bit more on the expensive side, you know, with $12 million a year. Um, making him the sixth highest paid running back in the league so but again i don't think you're gonna find a better running back than him on the open market um on
1: when i saw this deal i was honestly kind of surprised because you know not that nixon's not worth it, i do think he's probably probably worth that deal maybe he's a little bit on the expensive side but not by much i do feel like he's one of the better running backs in the league i was just surprised from the standpoint that if i were joe mixon i'd honestly probably want out of there and i don't think that team's as much as they are starting to um, look good, they're building stuff. Together, I don't think they're winning anything anytime soon. If I were Mixon, I would have wanted to go to a, a contender. Although, in all fairness, you know there probably wasn't a situation where he, another situation where he'd be the guy. I don't think he'd find anything that easily. But you know, if he believes in this team and and they believe he can um, contribute, then I can't criticize. Him. I think it's a good. I think it's a good deal.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And I think with how the Bengals are right now. You know, given nobody opts out because of COVID, and I think with, with Joe Burrow staying healthy, I think that Bengals team is probably a five-win team, roughly. You know, Joe Burrow is is a good quarterback, and I think he will do well in the NFL. But I, I just don't think that Bengals team has the necessary talent or coaching to really put themselves in to, in a position to win games or even make a playoff run. So. Not yet, not yet. Yeah, the, the, but they're getting there. I think they definitely improved the roster over this past season, so it's good for them. Um, should be interesting to see what they do with AJ Green too. Um, you know he's getting up there in age. Are they going to continue to try and work with him, especially because he's been injured? Uh, or Are they going to let him walk and just take T. Higgins on as wide receiver number one? Um, should be interesting to see. Obviously they're going to have him for this year, but uh, moving forward, will they want to keep AJ Green on that roster? I think
1: this year would be good because you know, I think
2: AJ Green's been known to, there's you can't really
1: say a bad thing about the guy. He's been great his career, and he's not he's pretty high character guy. I think he's not caused any brilliant really problems his entire career. I think he'd be good for a guy like Joe Burrow. I think he'd help him out a lot,
2: but I think he's not a part of their future. I definitely think he's gone after this year. Mm-hmm. 100% agree with you. Um, moving on from there, the Lions signed Taylor Decker to a six-year, eighty-five million-dollar contract extension. Um, you know, he's 27. He was the 16th pick in the 2016 draft for the Lions. Um, you know, he's been pretty solid for the Lions, but obviously, um, you know, being their best offensive lineman, I think th- throughout his time there. Um, but I do question, I, I do think that he, he was a little bit overpaid there. Um, you know, he's not, I don't think he's an elite tackle in the NFL. I think that they're better off letting him walk and then either get, pulling in another rookie or, or somebody, or pay somebody that's more, I don't know, defined in the league. I just think it's tough, you know, especially with a Giants fan, after the Giants sign Needs to the biggest contract that a, a tackle got in the NFL. And he's, he was absolutely abysmal for the Giants during his time here. Um, it's been, I'm like, I'm always more hesitant about signing, you know, non-elite tackles to bigger contracts. Obviously tackles are are very highly valued in the NFL with the, you know, with the NFL being such a passing league and their ability, uh, to protect against edge rushers. Um, you know, they, they do come at a premium in terms of the offensive line, but I'm always hesitant about paying guys that aren't elite tackles, big money. Um, but I guess it's more of my just personal bias as a Giants fan. But you know, I do think it is it is important part to have talent on that Lions' uh, offensive line, especially now that they brought in DeAndre Swift from Georgia. Um, I think it's going to be important for them to continue to build with, with Matt Stafford. You know, Matt Stafford entering, he's getting a little bit older now, but I still think he's he's still a very solid quarterback. And if they're going to make that Lions team work, they're going to need a decent offensive line. And I think uh, Taylor Decker is a big part of that. I just question how much they paid him. I guess um, overall, I think it's good to extend him. I just question the amount of money that they gave him.
1: Yeah. Honestly, I question the amount of money too, because when you hear about you know
2: the elite tackles
1: in the league, Nick, you're right. I don't think he's one of them. And number two, I don't know that the signing really makes much sense. You, know, I might be in the minority here, but I honestly think that the Lions could try to blow it up pretty soon because you know the way they've been trending in the past few years has not been good. I honestly don't think they're any more than a six-win team. I think Stafford, you know, he hasn't been that great his whole career. You know, say what you want about him not having weapons, he just hasn't really put it together at all. And I don't think they're very well coached. I don't think Matt Patricia's a good head coach. And I, I don't think they'll have a good year. And I think they're going to realize soon it might be time to blow it up. And I don't think this signing is really going to help them out.
2: Um, you know, I totally agree with you there. I think that Matt Stafford, he, he's never been an elite quarterback in the NFL. But I do think he is a quarterback that is, is serviceable in the NFL. Oh, he's serviceable. I, but yeah, if he ever lead
1: into a Super Bowl, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Know.
2: I think if you put a really good team around him, he's a quarterback that can win a Super Bowl. Right. But he's not going to be able to do it on his own. I think kind of like an Eli Manning where he's he's serviceable, but... Without without the team around him, he'll, he'll never make it to a Super Bowl. It's Like, you like
1: accept that Eli wins in the
2: playoffs. Exactly. Yeah, Eli Manning is is diamond in the rough. I don't know how. The, I've never even throughout my entire time as a Giants fan, I've never been that high in Eli Manning, so I just never felt like he was ever that that good. You know, he's been good, but never like elite. I would say in the NFL. It's um, weird because in my years of watching football,
1: you know, he hasn't really. It's weird that he's not been able to make it to that moment as much, but when he's gotten there to the playoffs, he's done
2: so well. Exactly, it's, it's he's really a weird situation. But going back to the Lions, I think one of their bigger problems right now is Matt Patricia. He just has not been successful as a head coach. Um, he was a lot better as a defensive coordinator for the Patriots, obviously, and maybe the the Lions maybe should look to move on from him. Um, you know, I think this is going to be a big year for him to decide. With the with the circumstances that there are for now, if he doesn't, if he isn't able to produce wins, I might look to mock him if I was Detroit, or maybe move him to defensive coordinator. I know that'd be a really difficult situation a weird one to, to have, ask him to step down as head coach and be defensive coordinator, and then hire a different head coach. But I mean, that in my opinion, that would be optimal for the Lions. But
1: I don't know if they can make that happen. Honestly, in my opinion, from the time Patricia was hired, I was surprised because in the couple, of years, especially his last year when you New in, I thought their their defense was terrible and. I don't know how he was able to get a job. I don't think he would have gotten a job if he wasn't on the pads. And speaking of the Patriots, I think this is an issue with Lions, you know, management and their direction. They need to stop focusing on cloning the Patriots and just just assume their own identity. They've signed so many of their former players and and, and stuff like that. And, and Matt Patricio is a perfect example. Just create your own identity instead of cloning another successful team. It doesn't really work like that.
2: Yeah, I 100% agree. He has signed way too many Patriots players. Um... But moving on from there, uh, actually, the Patriots are next up in the news. They have released Mohamed Sanu, who they acquired last season, um, and he did not do well with the Patriots. And it, obviously, with them getting Cam Newton, I don't think giving him an extension or, you know, I don't think Sanu is really in the long-term plans. He was more just a like quick fix in order for the Patriots to win the Super Bowl. And obviously, with that not happening, uh, Sanu was on the chopping block. It uh, was time to cut his contract and make room for, I guess, younger players. And hopefully more signings, um, which you know I think they may have used that money for Leonard Fournette, but obviously he wanted to sign up with the Buccaneers. That, that was rumored, but obviously I think Sanu is still decent enough talent in the NFL that he'll find another team. But I don't think he's on the long-term plans for the Patriots, so Bill decided to cut him. Um, should be interesting to see how the Patriots do this season with Sonny Michelle coming back and Cam Newton. I do expect that their uh, a team's going to become even more of a rushing team than ever. I think this year i i it would be i think would be awesome to see you know especially with the again they're really lacking wide receivers here Besides, beside you know deaths in terms of wide receivers beyond julian edelman i think it'd be really interesting to see if the Patriots run something like a triple option or a read option with cam newton um and then like work a lot of rpos out of it maybe you know ask cam newton to throw short with julian edelman which i think would be really good if you put him in the slot and then work between sonny michelle and cam newton and you know uh rex burkhead i think that would that'd be a really interesting scheme um I'm curious to see if the New England Patriots might take, you know, an approach like that to the season. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think there's anything wrong with Cunningham New. I don't think he's anything
1: more than like a, a role player at this point in his career. And you know, as for the Patriots, you know, it's, it'll be interesting to see how they do. Because of course they have Belichick, but as you said in a, the podcast, called ago, from a talent standpoint alone, they are honestly a pretty bad team. You know, mm-hmm. that defense is not good. They lost a couple pieces on defense. Over, yeah, I don't think a guy. Obviously, the guy, Stephon Gilmore, is not going to carry the team. You know, you know they have Cam Newton, but this is not prime Cam. This is washed-up Cam. So, uh, it'll be, I, I feel like this team's probably about eight and eight because of Belichick. But I mean, we'll see what happens. It seems kind of a hard one to figure out. They could go any. I think they could go anywhere from like honestly two and fourteen to like ten and six. I I think they
2: could. Mm-hmm, and go, going off of that, the. This was the piece that comes later, but I'll say it now. Um, Cam Newton was named starting quarterback for the Patriots. Uh, interestingly enough, Jared Sidham is not going to be the starting quarterback. I do question the long-term plans with the Patriots, with Jared Sidham You know, he was a fourth-round pick, so uh, there he, he is expendable. But, you know, I think he did show a lot of promise uh, in preseason and the time he's had in the NFL. But I guess Bill Belichick doesn't believe him or wants to sit him longer, kind of like Tom Brady sat behind Drew Bledsoe. I don't think the Patriots have quite another Drew Bledsoe, but... Um, I do question the Patriots' plans with uh, Jared Stidham. Are they going to keep him long term, and they going to move on? From him? Yeah,
1: honestly, with the whole Stidham thing, I've been I've been very much you know not saying much about him because we haven't seen him play yet. I'm not going to say anything about him until he hits the field. But I would say, on two proven otherwise his upside is really not that high. I'd say it's I'd say comparable could be Kirk Cousins. You know, he was a fourth rounder, and he's turned into like a probably above average quarterback. That's as of right now. I'd say would be Stidham's um ceiling but you know obviously we've not seen him play and I just I think a lot of people with the pads are saying oh Sidney could be the next Tom Brady we're never going to see another Tom Brady like that I mean I don't think we should be relying on that to happen at all I think that's I think those statements are somewhat ridiculous I think we did I don't think we should assume anything elite from Sidney because he is only a fourth round quarterback and fourth round quarterbacks generally don't
2: turn out to be game changers when he was playing at Auburn I never saw a ceiling like a Tom Brady in him um, that team was still dependent on the run game. Though. Exactly, yeah. So, you know, I think the only only conversation that gives that statement validity is the fact that it is the Patriots. Um, right. But, and it is Bill Belichick, but at the same time, to have another Tom Brady situation where you take an unathletic quarterback out of the seventh round, he turns into the greatest player of all time. I mean, that, the odds of that happening, I can't even imagine. You're better off playing the lotto. So, uh, to Honestly. Say that, to say that Jaron Siddham... Um, is the next Tom Brady or has potential to be would be is, is a very big stretch and is a little bit ridiculous as you said yeah um, moving on from there uh, we have a little bit of Titans news here uh, the Titans wind up signing Stefan Kuzowski who was uh, to a one year contract uh, you know was the Patriots kicker uh, for quite some time and they released him earlier this off season um, you know I think he's still a pretty good kicker uh, you know he, he in 2019 or 2018 rather he kicked 84.4 percent. Um, and he, he was pretty strong in 2017 as well, so I still think he's a pretty good kicker, and I think this is a decent signing for the Titans. Um, interestingly enough, uh, obviously, um, I always think with the, the, the Titans coach's first name, Mike v- Frable. <sighs> Frable. Frable, there Frable. we go. Um, I stick with the name. I don't know why. Um, you know, obviously, with him being a former Patriots player, is this the next Matt Patricia? I doubt it because he's been a lot. He's had a lot more success than Matt Patricia. Yeah, honestly. But- um, That's I the think, thing. Yeah, but I think a pretty good signing for the Titans in my opinion. What do you think, Max? Yeah, he's thing? better than anyone we had last year. Our kick was Reg Joseph. Surely can't be
1: any worse than that. I mean is one of the has been one of the better kickers in the league for a while, even though he didn't mm-hmm.
2: play last year. He surely surely mm-hmm. is an upgrade over what we had last year. Exactly. Um totally agree. Uh, moving on from there, the Seahawks have re-signed Josh Gordon, which is interesting because obviously he's been in out of the league due to marijuana and he's been out in the league due to rehab. He's been in, reinstated, uh, you know, kicked out over and over again. It just seems like his career is coming to an end. Uh, the Seahawks are giving him a one-year contract. You know, he showed such promise. I would say, like, when was the height of his career, like 2012, 2013? Yeah, I'd say so. He, show, he showed such promise. He, he was going to be one of the top, series, you know, one of the elite receivers in the NFL. And then, I guess, his addiction to marijuana, his, his ability to, you know, not consume... Uh, banned substances have, have really hurt him um, in, in terms of his career. Uh, but I do think, you know, I think he is worth signing to a one-year contract. You know, continuing to give him a shot isn't a terrible idea. At the end of the day, if, if, if it doesn't go well, they could just release him again. Um, who knows? Maybe he'll he'll get banned for subs, substance use again. Who knows? But um, I do think that marijuana is off the banned substance list for the NFL now, so that would make him okay if he was... If he did test positive for it, um, but I think interesting signing. Uh, I'm, you know, I want to see Josh Gordon do well again, or at least put up you know a couple numbers. Um, you know, towards the latter end of his career, just to see what a little bit of what could have been for Josh Gordon. You know, I you made the point exactly that I was going to make here. You know, Marijuana
1: is no longer being tested by the league anymore, so I think if that doesn't, if they don't test, there's a good chance. I mean, not a good chance, but there's a decent chance I think that he could. You'll know, stay and not have any um, problems. And mm-hmm. also, one thing I want to say: this could be one of the biggest what ifs I've ever f- could think of. You know, if, if marijuana was not tested at the time he was at his prime, what could his career have been?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Honestly, yeah, I percent agree with
2: you. Um, but hopefully, he'll have a good year with the Seahawks if they decide to keep him throughout the year. Yeah. So, moving on from there, uh, the Browns had acquired Ronnie Harrison, um, safety, out of Jacksonville, in exchange for a fifth round pick. He's third round pick in twenty eighteen, and he was a full time starter for the Jaguars. Um, you know, he, he was pretty he was pretty solid last season. Had uh, you know, played fourteen games, two receptions. Um, you know, starter level f- for the Browns, and I think it's kind of comes as a replacement for Grant Delpit, um, with him going down uh, for the entire year. So he kind of fills that slot for them. Um, I don't think there's much to talk about there. Jaguars, you know, kind of entering into a rebuild and acquiring a fifth round pick in exchange for a starting safety I think is a pretty good move for both teams yeah one thing I'm also going to talk about here is like I
1: after the but after he was traded Ronnie Harrison went on Twitter and said something like I'm so glad I'm out of Jacksonville and on a team that actually is united toward the goal of winning a Super Bowl." and that just leads me to wonder how honestly bad is the situation in Jacksonville how much worse could it be than we imagined because you know, the for the same to say that you know we'll be He's on the Browns now. He's not a team that, that is seemingly, you know, united. But the Browns have been one of the more notorious dumpster fires in the league forever now, and wore that last year. So just how,
2: just how bad is it in Jacksonville? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Just look at look, look, look at Jacksonville over over the past year, right? They've lost um our past couple of years, right? They lost Allen, um, wide receiver. They've um, Allen Robinson. They lost Blake Bortles. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe, Jalen Ramsey uh, and Leonard Fournette and now Ronnie Harrison Ronnie Harrison is the first player to come out publicly or that publicly that wasn't in the spotlight already and say it's bad so it's just so many players are unhappy in Jacksonville and I don't, I don't know if it's a front office thing I don't know if it's a coaching thing um, apparently, I forget. I think Tom Coughlin and the Jacksonville Jaguars parted ways and apparently Tom Coughlin was pretty bad for Jacksonville and um, I guess it's, it might be a you know, everyone thought Tom Coughlin was at the heart of the problem, but it might be
1: bigger than that. No, I, I actually honestly do think Tom Coughlin could, is the root of the problem in Jacksonville. Because I just remember last year in, in December, like, late in the year, it came out that Tom Coughlin got fired. Then it said something like, over the off seasons, he would hold these you know, mandatory meetings that weren't mandatory at all by the NFL. And when the players wouldn't show because they weren't required to, they would he'd fine him several thousand dollars. And then... And it came out that a quarter of the the grievances filed to the NFLPA were against the Jaguars, and they actually said in a statement to players, "You might want to be you might want to
2: consider this when choosing your next squad." Basically saying, "Don't sign with Jags." <laughs> so th- th- that problem is very bad in Jacksonville. Um, they're gonna have to get over if they're ever gonna wanna have a solid rebuild. Yep. Uh, moving on from there, the Colts re-signed Ryan Kelly to a four-year, fifteen million dollars contract. Uh, center for the Colts for a little while now, thirty-four million dollars guaranteed. Uh, Pro Bowler in 2019, obviously. I think it's similar. I think it's a similar situation to Decker, um, whereas a solid part of the offensive line, um, one of the better centers in the NFL, and one of the, you know. I think, but him between him and Nelson, I think it's really important for when the when the Colts uh, do pick up a new quarterback. I think either in this year's draft or next year's, whatever they decide, to move on, move on from Phillip Rivers that they just acquired, right?
1: Yeah, having something. that
2: offensive line in place is going to make whoever that next quarterback is. Uh, you know, it's going to give them a lot easier time in their rookie year. So I think it's really important to have that, that offensive line stick together. Um, I do think that, you know, I still think I still think he overpaid him slightly, but I think this contract's a lot better, right? We're looking at yeah. a four-year contract instead of a six-year, only $50 million. Um, I, think, I think this is a really good signing for the Colts. If I was a Colts fan, I'd be satisfied with this signing. No, I think this is a no-brainer. And, you know, contrary to the Lions, I
1: think this is a signing that had to happen because, you know, we're looking at a team like the Colts, you know, I think this team is literally a quarterback away. They and to luck, I, they'd be a contender. But they, mm-hmm. they, they just have that one piece. They just have that one piece, and it's essential to resign the building blocks of your team in order
2: to help your eventual rookie quarterback succeed. So I think this had to happen.
0: Hundred
2: mm-hmm. um, percent. And then for moving on from there, the team in Washington released AJ Peterson, who had been pretty solid for Washington over the past couple of years. But him being thirty-five now, I'm, and you know, with them releasing Darius Geis next last month. Um, I think the the Washington kind of wants to, you know, clear that running back room, reset it. Um, I think that I think Washington as a whole is just isn't in need of a total reboot. That franchise is such a mess. I think between them and Jacksonville is just so bad. Um, between upper management and I think the coaching in Washington got a little better with Ron Rivera, but obviously with him getting cancer, um, you know, unfortunately he's going to be out for a little bit of time. And I think that's, that was kind of the only thread that this team in Washington was hanging on to, but the upper management's terrible. Um, you know, Darius Geis had all field issues. It's just that, team, that franchise that franchises a total mess. And if I was Adrian Peterson, you know, I'd be glad to get released by that team, honestly. <laughs> um, and with the fact that he did just get signed by the lions, he'll be behind DeAndre Swift and Carrion Johnson. So I think that's a really good running back room for him to enter into uh, with the Lions signing him for $1.1 $1. $1 million dollars for a one-year contract um I think that's a lot better of a situation for Patrick uh, Adrian Peterson to be in right now yeah honestly the thing with the Redskins is no matter what they do to try
1: to re- improve the team on the field or whatever it's it just going to be the same thing until they get rid of Dan Snyder I think at most everyone can agree he's 100% the root of their issues and you know it is so much drama with that team you know it's even with the name change that happened this offseason you know people have been asking to do that for years and years and years and he. He'd been stubborn about it. And then it came at the whole thing with the cheerleader scandal. And then all I don't even know what's with what that organization anymore. They just have so much drama. And, you know, until they they get rid of um, Snyder, I don't think they're going to be anything serious. I, I literally think they're a one-win team this year. I think it's the situation's that bad
2: over in Washington. I mm-hmm. 100% agree. Like, uh, they're the worst team in the NFL, in my opinion. I think Jaguars are, are closely right behind. Yeah. Um, if I were to put a power ranking on them, uh, so moving on from there, the Dolphins released Josh Rosen, which I think is interesting. You know, they traded for him, uh, you know, he was a 10th overall pick two years ago, and then the card uh, the Cardinals traded him to the Dolphins um, after selecting Kyler Murray, and now the Dolphins have selected Tua uh, Tagovailoa, so, you know, Josh Rosen is out the door. Um, I think at this point, you know, despite being the 10th overall pick um, in-, in-, in 2018, I think that Josh Rosen can be considered a bust. There's something that, that he just doesn't mesh well with the NFL, either, you know, he hasn't played, I don't think he's played ever that terrible, but he definitely has not been good in the NFL, and for whatever reason, the coaching doesn't like him. Maybe he has a chip on his shoulder that's a little too large, because he was a 10th overall pick. Uh, I don't really, you know, it's hard to pinpoint what it is, because, you know, everything's happening behind closed doors, but uh, obviously the Cardinals didn't want him, and now the uh, Dolphins don't want him. You know, my opinion, I think he's, he's kind of earned the label as a bust at this point, and if he does sign with another team, it'd definitely be as a backup.
1: Well, I definitely agree that he's a bust at this point. I think I think his career is definitely all about over. And you know, it's hard to not feel for a guy in this situation. But going to your point about having the chip on his shoulder, I think that actually you could have a lot to do with that. Of course, we don't know. We're not in the locker room. We don't observe. But I, I remember reading stuff before that draft saying that Josh Rosen was not really that well-liked by his coaches mm-hmm. and teammates. It seemed that he, he, just didn't, he was not a team player is what I heard. And I think that could have happened with the Cardinals. He might have shown those characteristics and they must have realized they messed up, hence why they selected Kyler Murray, which as at this point in time looks 100 percent to be the right decision made by that organization. So I, I think an honest that honestly could have to do with his um, with his um downfall, which part of me also part of me thinks like if it was really that bad we'd hear about it. Who knows what the situation is. Bottom line is tough break for a guy who had a was the 10th overall pick two years ago and this quickly it
2: looks like a bust i, I don't think i've really seen it happen before mm-hmm, me too and you know when you look at his rookie season with the cardinals he was a decent quarterback you know had his rookie struggles but then you look at year two he had one touchdown five interceptions it was really rough um they they quickly switched over back to uh ryan fitzpatrick um but yeah as we said uh rough rough start um the cardinals organization making a good decision to get rid of him and josh rosen's on the look for another team uh, moving on from there, the Texans have re-signed Deshaun Watson to a four-year, $160 million contract. To me, this is an excellent signing, $111 million guaranteed, four years for $160 million for for Deshaun Watson, who, in my opinion, is easily top-five quarterback in the NFL. Um, I think it goes without saying that, you know, with how much money that Mahomes got paid, signing Deshaun Watson to a four-year, $160 million contract is an absolute no-brainer. you you want to make sure that, you know, you know he's going to pay around forty million dollars a year, but you want to make sure that you don't have a Dak Prescott situation where the contract which is just such a big rift between them. As well as I think Sean Watson's obviously a better talent than Dak Prescott. Um, yeah. To me, no brainer, great signing for the Texans.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Here, I mean, I, I think that organization really begins and ends with him. He's the only reason I think they ever have a chance to compete. You know, when I first heard about the Mahomes signing, I honestly thought that either. Um, Bill O'Brien was going to trade him or like, give him up for nothing or re-sign him to a deal like that because, you know, I think most of us can agree Bill O'Brien has been one of the worst GMs in the league since he took over and looking at, you know, the Andre Hopkins trade, signing Laramie Tunzel to a, to that a three-year, six-six $6 million deal, I know Tunzel's one of the best tackles in the NFL, but to reset the market by $4 million per year, like, that's unheard of. Like, I thought it was going to be something outrageous. For Watson, yeah, to be fair, there's you can't really sit here and say that he's easy to overpay because he. I agree with Nick; he's one, he's a top five quarterback in the league. But anyway, I think it's a great deal for both sides.
2: You know, yeah,
1: that's really like yeah, what I'd definitely say.
2: definitely one of the few positives that Bill O'Brien has had in his career. Besides, you know, obviously drafting uh, Deshaun Watson, re-signing him has been probably the only highlight of his career as GM slash coach. Right. Um, so, moving on from there, Keen Allen re signed with the Chargers for a four year, $80 million extension. Um, you know, I think this is a little bit too high of an extension. I do think Keen Allen is definitely an elite receiver in the NFL, probably like top 10. But, you know, with him being 28 and him being to a four year, $80 million contract, I think by the time he hits the 32, I think that money's going to be too much. But I do also see that, you know, they may have not been able to re sign him if they didn't offer him a lot of money up front and then less towards the back end. Um, you know, I think it's a decent signing because I do think, again, Keenan Allen is one of those top talents in the NFL. You know, um, you know, uh, last season he had 1,400 yards almost, comeback player of the year, um, and six touchdowns. You know, 2017 he was pretty good. So he's been pretty good over the past couple of years, so I do think this is a decent signing. I just, I think it's a little bit too, too much money when you look at his his career when he gets to be like 31, 32. Yeah, I do think a little on the high side. Not really
1: because of his talent, but because throughout his career, he has been dealing with injuries. he to recover, and the past couple of years. He hasn't um, he's been healthy. I, I just remember this guy, when I would when I was doing fantasy football, I would draft him every year get hurt. I stopped drafting him, he stops getting hurt. So, <laughs> maybe that's really all he needs to actually do well. But jokes aside, I mean, I, I do think it's been on the high, like, high side. He is one of the um, better receivers into the league if i think if he stays healthy and continues at this level it'll be worth it but you know it's it's a bit of a risk i don't think it's that bad for the chargers i think i'd say it's -hmm. it's a good
2: signing Mm -hmm. And just uh totally unrelated to that but i forgot that josh Rosen was actually signed to the buccaneers practice squad right yeah yeah i forgot to mention that um will he stay on the practice squad who knows um but uh you know obviously the buccaneers do have tom brady so he absolutely will not be starting (laughs) maybe he'll make the practice squad maybe he won't all right, so we had a little bit of technical difficulties, but we were just talking about the Tredavious White signing, uh, you know, contract extension with the Buffalo Bills. Um, both me and Max had, had commented on the fact that four years, sixty nine million dollars is a little bit of money, but I think it's well worth it with how talented that Tredavious White is. You know, since he's came out of LSU, he's been he's been great for the Bills. Um and he's a top three corner in the NFL. Uh twelve interceptions, and he's you know, the Bills defense probably gonna be the best. I think they've been the best defense over the past three years, and are probably going to be the best defense this year. He's a major piece to that that defense, so I think this contract extension is well worth it. And pretty much, Max reiterated that. Yeah, no, I 100 percent agree. Um, so, moving on from there, I'm going to go to two pieces, and then we're going to get to the biggest piece of news for the week, uh, which is pretty exciting for Max. So, uh, beyond that, the Steelers had released Delvin Hodges, who was, uh, you know, 24. Um, with with Mace, you know, he played for, in front of Mason Rudolph after Mason Rudolph got injured. Um, and the Steelers' line of Josh Jobs. You know, the Steelers' quarterback room is kind of iffy because Ben Roethlisberger's been injured for so long, and the Steelers are about ready to move on, I think, from Ben Roethlisberger very soon. Um, you know, if he stays healthy, they can hold on to him for maybe another two to three years. But if he's not healthy, then I think the Steelers should look to move on. Um, and Hodges, I guess, is, is a nice bridge if they need be. Uh, ben Roethlisberger gets injured again. Yeah, I mean, let's... Let's not lie to ourselves. The Steelers quarterback situation last year
1: was an absolute dumpster fire. I mean, Mason mm-hmm. Rudolph, I mean, he started out okay, but then after his concussion didn't do well, Hodges just as bad. I mean, and now they have Josh Jobs, who I actually remember watching him at Tennessee. I never thought he'd be a great quarterback. I think he'd be a decent backup. He has done okay in pros when he's gone in, but he hasn't never been that great. He's obviously not going to lead the team to the promised land. When it comes to Roethlisberger, I personally think he'd be lucky to get any more than one more year. I do think when you talk about a 38-year-old guy coming off elbow surgery, and I think even watching before that, he was already looking way worse than a guy like that whose body's already starting to deteriorate. I think, I
2: am not confident in him. I don't, uh, if he makes it past this year, I'd honestly be surprised. I agree with you. Um, and then final piece of the Steelers news is that they re-signed Cameron Hayward to a four-year, $71.4 million contract. Um, you know, defense, defense tackle, defensive end uh, Based on how they play him I think he's a really good talent But he is 31 years old You know, four-year, $71 million contract extension Is a little bit on the higher side um, Do I think he, it's, that contract's worth it? I'd probably lean towards no Because when you look at you know, Towards the end of the contract He's going to be 34, 35 years old And I don't think he's talented enough That his talent's going to last him that long You know, maybe you'll get another Two to, two to three years max In terms of how much talent He's going to provide to the Steelers Although he is a leader that Steelers defense was a lot of young pieces like Mika Fitzpatrick and TJ Watt um you know I think I think that they're better off saving that money to pay those guys more to make sure they lock them in um rather than lock it into somebody like Cameron Hayward who I think is a a pretty good talent but I feel like there's there's better talent um on that roster that needs to get paid first if, if you know if they should they should focus on locking in young talent before locking somebody like Cameron Hayward Again, not a bad player. I just think the money's a little bit much, and I think for the how the years it works out that he's already thirty one. I think it's gonna be a tough signing when we come you know, come look at it again in maybe two years. Yeah, I'm on the iffy side of this one.
1: You know, obviously he's pretty old and you know, it could get bad when they have to re sign if it's Patrick and T J. Watt. But, you know, I think this guy, correct me if I'm wrong, he's been I he's been a not very a problem not a very problematic player at all he's been there the whole time he stayed healthy for the most part hasn't really caused many problems on or off the field he's going to be a pretty consistent player of course it's going to age but i think he'll continue to produce and he's talented so i
2: am i say it's pretty i say it's an iffy deal mm-hmm. i'm pretty much along the same lines there and then the final piece of news for the week and i saved the best for last year um this is the biggest signing of the offseason in my opinion and this is the offseason that we were all waiting to see, uh, signing. We were all waiting to see all offseason. season. Today, beyond Clowney, um, elite pass rusher in the NFL. I wouldn't say call him a pass rusher; he's more of a run stuffer. But defensive end, outside linebacker, um, has finally signed with a team, and it's none other than the Tennessee Titans. Let's Max, go! Max's team. Um, it is going to be a one-year, twelve million dollar contract. Um, you know, for being a free agent for nearly six months, he's finally signed with a team, and I think this is a huge signing for the Titans. Not only does he offer a ton of talent. Um, you know, I think he's been a little bit injury ridden, and I still, I still don't think he's lived up to maybe the hype that he did, that he was supposed to do with you know being selected first overall. But it's undeniable that he's a top tier defensive end in the in the NFL. When healthy, you know he's probably top, he's top three. um, You know, and when he's you know, even though he's been injury riddled, he's still a, a big part of the defense. And the fact that they only got him for twelve million dollars on a one year contract to say if it doesn't work out, I think the Titans nailed this out of the ballpark. It's an incredible signing for them. Um, I think that's all I'm gonna say, Max. What do you got to say? Yeah, this is. I
1: completely agree. This is a great signing every way you look at it. You know, and you know, even though he made, you said he's more of a run stuffing tackle. I mean, defensive fan, But if we can use him as as a pass rusher, it's gonna be so well for us. Because looking last year, we didn't really have any great pass rushers besides you know, um, Harold Landry, who's not even really that great. We had Jarrell Casey, but he's not that fast. You put Cl- a guy like Clowney in there much faster and he's gonna be able to get to the quarterback and i think this is might be this might just be his best year because you know i think he's realized that he didn't get really any deals because i think a lot of it has to do with his work ethic it's, it was a problem in college he didn't work that hard and in the pros he's kind of been lazy but now that he's actually you know made it this far without a deal you know a guy that talented it's probably a wake-up call for him you know to play hard so i think he's gonna really play hard for a new contract this um for next offseason but he'll play hard this year and then and also we uh we signed Vic Beasley who has potential to be a 10 plus that guy here he hasn't really reached his potential except for the 2016 season but if he if he can play at his best you know our pass rush goes from being not very good to really really good and that's crazy I, I don't think we're gonna win a Super Bowl I still think the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC but I think we're definitely if this works out I think we're one of the teams to watch out for.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, what the Titans did, obviously they did lose Darrell Casey to the Broncos. Um, And I think Vic Beasley is a pretty good signing. He's definitely a guy that's like a hit or miss, right?
0: Right. He had a
2: really good season in 2016. And, you know, coming out of college and I think in that 2016 season, I really saw Vic Beasley as probably a top tier, you know, pass rusher in the NFL, um, really versatile player. Um, And if Mike Vrabel can can coach you know, between him and Javion Clowney to the best of their abilities, that, that defense, uh, dif- you know, that defensive line, it starts to become really scary. Yeah, no.
1: Yeah. Um, it's... and
2: I also agree with you that Chiefs are still probably the best team in the NFL, but again, the Titans, they just, they have, I think they just have that it factor between Derek Henry and Jadeveon Clowney. There's, there's a lot going for them there.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited. You know, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of scared, you know, looking as far as my teams go after the, the Preds went on their second cup final run. Now they've kind of um, gotten back mediocrity. I'm, much more cautious of declaring my team's contenders. You know, I don't want to get too optimistic, but you know, I do
2: think we have a good chance to be pretty good again.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and that about wraps up the NFL for this week, um, and as, the, as well as the entire podcast, because there isn't really too, many, too much college news. Um, obviously, then the few football games going on right now that are pretty minimal in importance, because what do they count for, and who's playing in them? I will say that um the big there
1: is um the Big Ten is I feel like I've heard a lot they're reconsidering their season potentially who knows it'll go but I remember Trump Donald Trump sent out a tweet the other day that he thought Big Ten football was looking good he said the uh, that um I think Michigan Illinois and Maryland are not very um for it but who knows happens will it happen probably not but it's something to watch out for and you know John Harb Jim Harbaugh I should say coach of Michigan said. We could play a game in two weeks, so you never know what's going to happen. You know, as we saw with the cancellation of their season, things can, you know, change in a moment. But you know,
2: hopefully it comes back, but probably not.
1: Hmm.
2: Um, I think that that's about all the news we have for this podcast. Um, I guess I'll hand. To, I'm gonna give a little bit of a sign off here. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, you know my my schoolwork has definitely picked up, so it's been tougher to stay on top of all the sports news happening at once. But I think sports are in a really good spot right now. Um, beyond maybe college, like but I think professional sports are uh, a lot of interesting stuff going on. Pretty good, uh, pretty good playoff series. Uh, the NFL is kicking off this next week. Um, so hope you know, go Giants! Hopefully, like, we could have a decent season this year, and Daniel Jones can continue to improve. Um, other than that, if you guys have any comments, questions, concerns, feel free to leave them at my email at nicholaswarth Uh Thank you guys for listening again. Uh, love all support, and I guess I'll hand it over to Brian.
0: Alright, Max, any final
1: thoughts? Max. Yeah, I don't really have much else to say. Thanks for listening.
0: Alright, um, so yeah, I mean, I don't have much to say either. Um, excited for football to start. That should be fun. But other than that, we'll be back next week with another podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. If you have any thoughts, you can DM us on Instagram. Uh, check out our videos on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, You can probably find us anywhere. If you have any interest in writing for us, editing videos, any way you think could help, contact thesportuniverse2019 at gmail.com. And other than that, thanks for listening. Bye.